Well, I've been talking about the power of faith-filled words. Let's turn back over to Mark chapter 11. This is the first verse that I read when we started this series, and I want to come back to this. Jesus just performed the miracle of speaking to the fig tree, and then his disciples noticed it, and he taught them how he did it. And from this, we're going to learn what Jesus says is necessary for you to see the miraculous power of God manifest in your life. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews chapter 12. And so let's look to our author and the finisher, the beginner and the completer of our faith and see what he says about how you release your faith. So here in Mark chapter 11, in verse 12, this is the last week of Jesus' life here on the earth right before his crucifixion. And it says in verse 12, on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. You know, when I first read this, I couldn't understand why the Lord responded the way he did because it wasn't time for figs yet. And yet he was expecting figs. It seems to me like this was unfair. It was unjust. But you know, as I meditated on this, the Lord is the one that created everything. It says in Colossians that everything was created by him. Also in John chapter one, without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is the one that spoke fig trees into existence and he spoke how fig trees are supposed to operate. He's the one that set down the rules. And even though it wasn't time for figs, a fig tree produces leaves before it produces figs. Or excuse me, it produces figs before it produces leaves. They come nearly simultaneously. Uh, there are some different uh, variations of figs, but we actually got this confirmed on a Jewish website. And in Israel, they produce figs before they produce leaves. So even though it wasn't time for figs on this tree, it wasn't time for leaves either. So if the tree had leaves, even though it wasn't time for that, well, then it should have had figs. God's the one that set down how fig trees operate. And this fig fig tree was operating contrary to the instructions he gave it. So he was hungry. He went to a fig tree that was professing something that it didn't possess. This was a hypocrite fig tree. It was a pervert fig tree. The Lord didn't make them to be this way. And so this fig tree was out of order And therefore, as creator, this fig tree was disobeying God's instructions. And therefore, Jesus was not unfair or unjust to curse this fig tree. This fig tree violated the way that God created it to be. And so he just brought judgment on it. And notice how he did it. He spoke unto the fig tree. Notice this also in verse 14. It says, Jesus answered and said unto it. Some people think that this is really strange that Jesus talked to a fig tree. But if you really meditate on this and take it and and analyze it, he not only spoke to the fig tree, it says he answered the fig tree and said, this means that the fig tree had already been talking to him. Amen. Not only did he talk to a fig tree, the fig tree talked to him. 
Did you know whether you think about it or not, things will speak to you. Your checkbook will speak to you. The Bible says that my God shall supply all of his, all of your need according to his riches in glory. And yet you can get a bank statement and read it and it'll go to talking to you. It'll tell you, well, it didn't work. You're worse off than you were before. You're out of money. You're in the red instead of in the black. Your checkbook will talk to you. Your bills will talk to you. Things will talk to you. You'll have thoughts come when you see certain things. Anything that gives you a thought contrary to the word of God, you ought to talk back to it. If your checkbook, if your billfold speaks to you and says, well, it didn't work. This giving stuff doesn't work. Anything that causes you to have thoughts contrary to what God's word says, you ought to talk back to it. I know some of you think this is strange, but Jesus was told some things by this fig tree. Those fig leaves said that it had figs and it didn't. It had lied to him. It professed something that it didn't possess. And so he answered it. It spoke to him. He spoke back to it and he said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. That's all he did was talk to it. He didn't touch it. He didn't pour salt on it. He didn't take an ax to it. He didn't do anything in the natural. Again, this is so strange to most of us. Most of us believe that it's only what's happening in the physical natural realm that really counts. We don't really recognize a spiritual world. We don't understand the spiritual power that's behind things. Most of us live on a very surface level. That's what the Bible calls carnal. The word carnal means of your five senses. Carnal doesn't necessarily mean sinful. It doesn't mean terrible. It doesn't mean bad. Now, everything that is sinful and terrible and bad is carnal. But carnal, you could be a very good person. You could be a moral person. You could be a nice person. You could be born again and love God and be carnal of your five senses. You just can't believe or think outside of the realm of what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's what the Bible calls carnal. You know, there are some of you today that you have listened to the music, you have seen people, you've heard Wendell speak, you could tell me what's going on in the carnal realm, the five senses realm, but there are some of you in here today that haven't even given a thought to the presence of God being here, angels being here, demons being here. You haven't even thought about the spiritual world, and yet the spiritual world is what created this physical world. If you're a person that goes through life and all you do is pay attention to the physical realm and think that this is it, if you can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, it doesn't exist, then you are carnal. That's what the Bible is calling carnal. And there's people that they just don't understand. Jesus didn't touch this. He didn't do anything in the natural. How can anything happen if nothing is happening in the natural, because there is a spiritual world. And when you speak words, words have creative power in them. Words are what created the universe. It's what created us. And when you mix faith with God's word, things start happening in the spiritual realm. And lots of times there's things going on in the spiritual realm that you don't even know about. This is why so many people miss it when we pray for them is because they don't see anything instantly at that moment and they just think that there is no such thing as time or space or 
our distance with God. If God was to move, then instantly like that, there ought to be complete results. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. I'm not going to go over there, but for your own reference, you ought to read Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel prayed a prayer. And it took about three minutes while he was still praying for the angel Gabriel to show up and give him his answer to prayer. But the the angel Gabriel said, at the beginning of your supplication, God gave a command and I came. It took about three minutes from the time that God answered his prayer for it to become a physical manifestation. Some people say, well, three minutes isn't much, but it shows a principle that God commanded instantly and it took about three minutes for what God spoke to come into some type of physical manifestation. And then in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel, the same man prayed another prayer and this time it took three weeks for a messenger to appear. Three minutes in the 9th chapter, three weeks in the 10th chapter. And most people would say, well, why did God answer one prayer in three minutes and the other prayer in three weeks. See, from a human standpoint, from a carnal standpoint, only analyzing the physical realm, that's what most people think. They think, why did this person get healed instantly and this person over here has been standing for three weeks and it hasn't happened yet? The truth is, when you read behind the scenes in Daniel chapter 10, this messenger said, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to seek God. God gave a command and sent me, but there was a demonic hindrance. There was a prince of Persia that withstood your prayer for 21 days. And Michael, the archangel, had to come help me to break through. See, from a human standpoint, God answered one prayer in three minutes and the other prayer in three weeks. But from the spiritual standpoint, God moved instantly in both cases One time it took about three minutes. The other time it took three weeks. But God was the same in every situation. God answers every person's prayer exactly the same. God doesn't give some people an instant healing and other people a gradual healing. Some people receive instant healings. And some people receive gradual healings. But it's not because God wills it. There's all kinds of things involved. Some people just can't believe in an instant healing. Your faith is, you just are at a place where you're expecting a gradual healing. You know, I prayed for a little boy one time. I called this out through a gift of the Spirit in Omaha, Nebraska. And I said that somebody's uh, cross-eyed and your eyes are being healed. And a 10-year-old boy came forward. I prayed for him and I just expected his healing to be gradual. That's what my faith was for. I don't know why. It's just, it's, I'm just telling you what happened. And so after I got through praying for him, I was going to tell him, now you stand and believe God and your eyes are straightening up in the name of Jesus. And when I opened my eyes, this guy was so cross-eyed that his mother had to take him by the hand and lead him up there. He couldn't see to walk normal. And when I got through praying, I started to talk to him and I looked at him and his eyes were perfectly straight. Before that, they were completely cross-eyed and they were perfectly straight. And when I saw that, I said, I don't believe it. I'm the one that prayed for him. And I said, I don't believe it. And as soon as I said that, his eyes went back cross-eyed like that. And I said, oh God, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry for speaking forth my unbelief. And I prayed for him again. Never did see his eyes straighten up again. 
But you know what? There's sometimes you just, it's, it's our own unbelief. We just are so carnal that it's hard for us to believe that a person can instantly be healed. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying this is where we live. And if it takes a while for you to get into faith, don't worry about it. But don't think that it's God who's causing the healing to take a month or a year or whatever. It's not God. God answered your prayer instantly. It's you that can only receive it by bits and pieces. There's no bad way to receive a healing. Amen. So if it's going to take you a month or a year or whatever, don't feel bad about it. Just get well. If you get it little by little, if you can move the devil a mile, if you move him an inch at a time, it may take you a while, but just as long as you're moving in the right direction, don't feel guilty or condemned, receive it. But recognize that it's not God who just determines that one person gets it instantly and another person, it takes a long period of time. It's because of our own hurts, our own problems, our own things that we have. Many of us are full of, of unforgiveness and bitterness that Satan uses to hinder the healing power of God. It says in James 3.16, it says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. First Corinthians chapter 14 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all of the churches of the Lord. So when it says that there is where envy and strife is, there is confusion. That's saying that there is the devil. You give an open door to the devil through strife and envy and every evil work. You give Satan a tremendous hindrance. So God answers your prayer. He releases his power, but there's things that can delay it. Because of our unbelief, because of our strife, because of the bitterness that's in our heart and unforgiveness, these things can hinder God. It doesn't stop God from giving, but it may stop you from receiving. I'm convinced that there's lots of people that God gave you your answer to prayer, but you haven't received it. God gave, but you haven't seen it manifest, not because God didn't give, but because you didn't know how to bring it from the spiritual world into the physical world. And that's because we're carnal. We look at it and think nothing happened. And since we couldn't see anything, we just don't think anything happened. But Jesus spoke to this fig tree. He never touched it. He didn't do anything in the natural. His disciples just it went on. They didn't see any change. And they went on into Jerusalem. And it says in verse 15 that they come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught saying unto them, it is, is it not written? My house should be called of all nations, the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the Pharisees heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared the people, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. So this is the second time that Jesus did this. He did it at the very beginning of his ministry, cast all of the money changers out. Here he is three years later doing the same thing again and casting the money changers out. This is the second time. And it doesn't say so, but it appears that the way they went into the city when he cursed the fig tree, that they came home the same way. And his disciples didn't make any mention of the fig tree. Apparently, there was no difference in the fig tree even eight or ten hours later when they got ready and they came back to Bethany. 
But then it says in verse 20, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So this is about 24 hours later. The next day, they go back into the city of Jerusalem the same way. And this time they see the fig tree and it's dead. Now, if you compare this with Matthew's account, I think it's Matthew chapter 21. It records this same instance. In Matthew's account, it says immediately the fig tree withered away. In Mark's account, they walked back by it that evening and it was the next day that they saw the fig tree withered up. So which was it? Was it immediately or was it the next day? It's both. Immediately that fig tree was dead, but it says here, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. The fig tree died the moment Jesus spoke it, but it died in the roots. And it's just like if you take a flower and cut it off, that flower will still look like it's alive. But the truth is the moment it's severed from its root, it's dead. And it is in the process of wilting and dying and it will shrivel up. And it's dead, but it looks alive for a period of time. When Jesus spoke, that fig tree died instantly, but it was below the surface. They couldn't see what had happened, but it was dead. The moment Jesus spoke, that's what Matthew is recording. Here in Mark's account, it shows that it was the next day before they could see the visible result. And again, this is where so many people miss their answer from God. They pray and then they open their eyes and look. And if they can't see anything immediately, then they just suppose that God hasn't moved. Because after all, there is no such thing as time or space with God. No limits on God. If God had moved, then they would see the difference. That's not what happened here. That's not what happened in Daniel. That's a wrong assumption. There are things that are going on in the spiritual world behind the scenes. God is a spirit. John 20, uh, John 4, 24 says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God moves in the spiritual realm and then it comes into a physical manifestation. But God moves before you see things happen. And if you're one of those people that just prays and then opens up your eyes and if you can't see it, then you think nothing happened. You just stopped the process. You keep what God has done in the spiritual realm from manifesting itself in the physical realm. You've got to continue to believe that God is moving when you can't see it or feel it or perceive it by your five senses. And if you can't do that, your faith is the bridge between the spiritual world over into the physical realm. If you can't believe that God has moved when you can't see it, then you take away the bridge. There is no conduit. There is no way for what is in the spiritual world to come into the physical world. Faith is what gives substance to things hoped for and is evidence of things not seen. Faith is your ability to see something and believe that something is happening when there is no carnal proof of it. There's no physical proof of it. Faith is believing what God's word says. God is telling you what happens. And you have to get to where you believe this more than what you feel in your body, more than what your checkbook tells you, more than what you see with your eyes. That's what the Bible calls faith. 
And most people, most Christians cannot do that. They just think that if they can't see it, God hadn't done anything. Well, then you'd never accept this wild story that I'm about to tell you that right now, did you know that there are television and radio signals in this room? Bunches of them, dozens of them. And they're loud and they're bouncing all around in this room. And some of you would say, no, they aren't. Why? Because you can't see them. You can't hear them. But just because you can't see or hear them doesn't mean that they're here. It just means that you aren't very smart. I can tell you that there are radio and television signals in this room right now. And all you have to do to prove it is to take a television set, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And when you see the picture is not when the signals come. The signals are already here. The signals are here 24 hours a day. They're going all of the time, but you just can't see them because they're in a different realm. But they do exist. We understand that germs exist. You can't see germs, but you've come to believe that they exist. Now you can take a microscope and magnify those. But you know what? There are things happening that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. And we've come to recognize that. That is true in the spiritual world. And just like this fig tree, Jesus cursed it. He didn't do anything in the natural, but he spoke words. He used the power of faith-filled words and he cursed something and commanded it to die And the moment he spoke, boom, that thing was dead, but it was in an unseen realm. It was below the surface. But those roots were dead. That plant was dead. It was just a matter of time until what happened below the surface became visible above the surface. And if you could understand this and apply this, it's the same with you. If you speak and curse sickness, curse cancer, curse multiple sclerosis, curse anything that's come against you, curse poverty... Curse lack and inadequacy. Curse fear. Curse all of these things. Say in the name of Jesus, you can't stay in my body. And if you say that and believe it with your heart, you may not feel any different at that moment. You may not look any different. But if you don't doubt in your heart, that moment, that thing is dead. And it may take a period of time for your body to recover. You know, I prayed with a woman who had multiple sclerosis this morning and I told her about this lady, Mercy Santos. She's on one of our healing journeys back there. And Mercy came to my meeting in Florida a number of years ago and she was in a wheelchair with multiple sclerosis. And she prayed and believed that she received. Did you know she didn't feel one bit different? She came in a wheelchair and left in a wheelchair, but she believed that she was healed. And she started trying to do what she could do. And she started resisting. And in six months time, Mercy Santos was running. And we have video of her running. And God didn't heal her six months later. He healed her at that exact moment. But, you know, from what I understand, multiple sclerosis affects something like the coating around your nerves. And it keeps... Signals from being transmitted from your brain to your muscles and stuff. And so the multiple sclerosis was gone. But then her body had to recover. Just like if you cut yourself. You know what? You can, the moment you're, you're cut, your body starts healing itself. But it may take a week or whatever for that to close up and for it to go. And then there may be a scar for a brief period of time. But over a period of time, it just totally 
goes away. Did you know that when you rebuke something, you could have the demonic problem, you could have the sickness gone, but then it takes a period of time for your body to recover. Now, God can do miraculous things like where a person who's crippled just instantly stands up. Maybe they've never walked in their life and so they don't even have any muscles. Their muscles have atrophied. God can do a miraculous cure to where you not only are healed, but then you are instantly restored and you're able to run and jump instantly. We had that happen last year with Wednesday morning. He was down here. If you were here at our conference and he came in a wheelchair and had crutches and I forget all of the things, but he had a terrible infection anyway. Wednesday was completely healed. His dad was here this week. Are you still here? Wednesday's dad? He's way here at the back. And he told me that Wednesday is doing really good, but he went out at one o'clock in the morning to get something. I think it was in London and and, uh, a dozen guys jumped him and beat him up. (laughs) And so... He, he knows martial art and he did pretty good, but he wasn't very much effect against a two before that was taken across her, his face. But anyway, he's recovering from that, but he's totally healed of all of the stuff. He was able to run and dance. Things like that can happen instantly, but the scripture also says you lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. There's two ways to receive. You can receive a miracle where instantly everything is restored or you can receive a healing where the sickness is gone and now your body just recovers and it takes a period of time to recover. There is no bad way to get healed. Everybody would love to have the instantaneous miracle where everything is just instantly restored. Like if you lost 50 pounds, you're healed and instantly you're back to your normal strength and weight. But you know what? It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you get healed and then you have to start eating and take care of yourself and you gradually start gaining your health back. But there are so many people that because it's God, they just expect it to be totally supernatural and they just pray. And if they don't see instant results, then immediately they have thoughts of doubt. They think that nothing has happened because they can't see it. How in the world can you even use a television or a radio? Because all of those are based on the fact that there are signals happening that you can't see. And you have to turn that on and believe that it's going to work. Likewise, you have to believe that God is doing things that you can't see or perceive. And so it says in verse 20 again, On the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. I said this on Friday night, but I I guarantee you he didn't just say this in a bland way. He was shocked. He was astonished. It was like, Jesus, look what you did. You just spoke to this fig tree. And here we are 24 hours later and the fig tree is dead. He was overwhelmed by it. And likewise, Jesus was marveling at his unbelief. And he said in verse 22, have faith in God. What's wrong with you guys? I've been with you three years. This is just about the end of his ministry, the last week of his ministry here on this earth. And he says, you still hadn't got it. Three years later, and you're shocked to see the words that I speak come to pass. Jesus had spoken and calmed the storm. He rebuked the wind and then calm the seas. That's an example of what I was just talking about. He didn't just rebuke the wind. If he would have just rebuked the wind, 
then it would have taken maybe an hour or two hours for the seas to calm down after the wind quit stirring them up. But he rebuked the wind and then he said to the sea, peace be still. Two different things. See, a lot of people don't understand that you can rebuke the sickness and disease and the devil leaves, but then your body's got to be dealt with. You've got to recover from the damage that was done to it. I believe that this autism, when we pray over a person with autism, we break the demonic power, but then whatever that autistic spirit did to the body, affected the mind or the senses or whatever, it takes a while for the body to start recovering. He didn't just say, peace be under the storm. He rebuked the storm and then said, peace be under the sea. You got to get rid of the demonic thing that causes the sickness, but then it takes a while for your body to recover and you got to speak to it. I don't know if you pay attention when I pray for people. I don't usually explain this, but I'll pray and I'll rebuke something. Like when I prayed with this lady about multiple sclerosis, I rebuked multiple sclerosis and commanded it to go. And I can tell when a demonic spirit leaves a person. Multiple sclerosis is demonic. It's a demonic attack. And I could tell that that demon spirit left. And then after it left, I started releasing the anointing of God to cause her nerves to recover and this coating around the nerves. And I started speaking life over her and speaking health into her body. See, there's two different things here. You've got to believe, it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, I'm skipping ahead, but at the rate I'm going, I may have to skip ahead to get there. But Mark eleven twenty four. whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall, future tense, have them. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, not when you see it, not when you have it in your hand, not when you can touch it, not when it's carnal and it can be seen, tasted, heard, smelt, felt, But when you pray before there's any physical things, you have to believe you receive right then and then you shall see it in the future. A lot of people think that's weird. How can I believe I've got it if I can't see it? Because there's a spiritual world and there's things happening in the spiritual and God answers your prayer and God moves and the power is released. It may be the root of the thing that was cursed and And it happened in the root and it'll take a little bit of time before it manifests itself in the physical realm. You know, once you see this, it's so simple. But people that haven't ever seen this, it's just like somehow or another they have blinders on. They can't see that anything exists. They don't believe that there's any reality beyond what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But I'm telling you that... If you are only going by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, your five senses, you're only looking at half of what's going on. You're only playing with half a deck. You don't have a full deck. You aren't dealing with the whole thing. There's all kinds of things going on in the spiritual realm. It's not just physical and natural that affects the way you feel and the things that happen to you. A lot of things that happen to you are demonic inspired. And if you're trying to deal with them with only natural things, you can't get over it. There are some things that it's not natural. Jesus cast demons out of people to cause physical healings. There's other times he just prayed over them and they were healed. Some sickness is demonic. Some is just a natural thing. If you get a cut and stick your hand into 
something that is, you know, full of germs and defile, you could get an infection. And I don't think that that's necessarily demonic. It's just a natural thing. There are other things that it is demonic. There are spiritual attacks. You have to have some discernment to be able to understand that. If you're praying for other people, you can't just do a cookie cutter prayer where everybody's the same. There are different reasons that different things happen to different people and you have to be led by the Holy Spirit and you have to have some discernment about is this spiritual, is it physical? Is it just a natural thing or is there a spiritual answer? You can't take a pill to heal something that is demonic. And again, it just amazes me how Christians today have become so plugged into this world that they think that there is a physical, organic reason for everything. That is not true. I actually saw a survey. I was on an airplane and I read a magazine. And they, this is in the United States. They did a survey or a test over five years with, I don't know, 30,000 people cost $10 million or it was just ridiculous what they did. And this thing came to the conclusion that people that smile are happier than people that frown. <laughs> when I read that, I thought, my God, did they ever think that maybe instead of the smile making you happy, Maybe it was happy people smiled. But they looked at it totally backwards. No, if you smile, you'll be happy. No, it's the opposite. If you're happy, you'll smile. And so much, they, they come to people and they say, well, this person is depressed. And so you've got a lack of this chemical in your brain. And so they try and treat your depression with chemicals and with uh, medicine. I don't doubt that people who are depressed have certain chemical imbalances, but it's not the chemical imbalance that makes you depressed. It's your depression that makes you have a chemical imbalance. The chemical imbalance is the byproduct of being depressed, not the cause of it. And if you take certain medications, all you're going to do is dope yourself up and numb yourself to it. You don't deal with the root cause. The root cause of depression is you're thinking on wrong things. And it's amazing how people are just treating the symptoms instead of dealing with the root cause. So much of the problems that we deal with are demonic in origin. Amen. So Jesus said you have to believe you receive when you pray and then you see it later. How can you believe you've got it before you see it? You do it because you start recognizing that there's more than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. There is a spiritual world out there. Man, I hesitate to say any more about that because I'll spend all morning preaching on this. Real quickly, in the name of Jesus, let me just mention 2 Kings chapter 6 is where Elisha was surrounded by the Syrian troops and his servant went out in the morning and looked and there was thousands of Syrians surrounding them. They came because Elisha had been giving away the battle plans of the king of Syria to the king of Israel. And the king of Syria found out about it, so he sent his troops down, surrounded the city, and Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, saw these enemy troops, and he says, Alas, my master, how shall we do? That's old English for he panicked. 
Amen. What are we going to do? And Elisha said, fear not. Those that be with us are more than those that be with them. Did you know the people who only believe that the carnal realm is real? They only think what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel is real. Then they would say, Elisha lied. Because you could count the Syrians by thousands. And then you look over and there's one, two. If all you think is real is the physical realm, then you're going to say that Elisha lied. And this is what a lot of people think faith people are. They say, you're lying. You're saying that you're well when anybody can tell you're sick. You got a doctor's report that proves that you're sick. You look green. I can still see the tumor on you. You're lying when you say that you're ill. Well, it would be a lie if all you believe is true is what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But when he said there are more with us than more than those with them, he wasn't lying. He was looking in the spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, there were angels with them. And so he prayed and said, Lord, open up the young man's eyes. Now, he wasn't talking about his physical eyes. He's talking about the eyes of his heart, faith. Help him to see what's real in the spiritual realm. And the Lord opened up his eyes and sure enough, round about the Syrians, the Syrians didn't disappear. See, believing something is true in the spiritual realm doesn't mean that you're denying that there is a problem in the physical realm. This is where a lot of people go wrong. They think that it's faith to say, I don't have cancer. When the truth is you do have cancer. That's not faith. That's just ignorance. When you sit there and deny that there is a problem. Elisha didn't deny that the Syrians were there. He didn't say there are no Syrians. No, he acknowledged that they were there. But he says, but there are more with us than with them. He acknowledged that the spiritual world was greater than the physical world. See, it's not faith to say I'm not sick. That's not faith, that's stupidity. It's faith to say, I don't care what my body feels like, there is a greater spiritual truth, and that is that I have the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. I'm not denying that I have problems in the physical. I don't deny that the physical world exists. I just deny that that's all that there is. There is also a spiritual world, and there's a spiritual me. I may be sick in my physical body, but I've also got the same power that raised Christ from the dead living just inches away from where that sickness is. And all I've got to do is provide a bridge, faith, and believe what I can't see. And that what is spiritual will come over here into the physical realm. So Elisha didn't deny that the Syrians existed, but he just said, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. And then he prayed that the Lord would open up the young man's eyes and the Lord opened up his eyes and sure enough, the Syrians were still there. But around about the Syrians on the mountains were horses and chariots of fire, the angels of God. And it was true what he said, if you include the spiritual world. So many people don't acknowledge that the spiritual world exists. They just live limited, looking at what they can see. And they say, well, the doctor says, and my body says, and I don't care what the Bible says, this is reality. You just aren't dealing with the whole realm of reality. You are limited. You're carnal. And the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh... 
Those that are limited to only what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel cannot please God. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. You've got to recognize there's a spiritual world out there. And so, sure enough, there, there were all these horses and chariots of fire, and he just raised his hand and drew on the power of these angels that were around him, and he smote the entire Syrian army with blindness and told them they were groping, trying to find their way. And he said, join hands. And he led them single file to the king of Israel, then opened up their eyes and took the entire Syrian army captive because he believed in the supernatural power of God. I'm not saying that some of you don't have a problem. I'm not saying that you don't hurt in your body. I'm not saying that you don't have problems. What I am saying is that you also have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it is activated. It's voice activated. You have to speak what is spiritual truth and believe it in your heart. Believe that in your words there is life and death. And then you speak that out and if you don't doubt it in your heart, then those words will come to pass. And you will overcome the physical problem that you have with the greater spiritual truth and reality. I'm just now up to the verse I wanted to get to. And I've got less than 10 minutes. Let me just read this and praise God. Hopefully we can finish up tomorrow. But in verse 23, after Jesus said, have faith in God. He said this in verse 23, for verily I say unto you, the word verily means truly. This is the truth. Did you know everything Jesus said was the truth? But when he said truly, I tell you this because he knew that this was going to be hard for people to understand and accept. And so he said, I'm telling you the truth because he knew that this was going to sound like it was just too much. And so even though everything he said was truth, he said this, I'm telling you, this is the truth. Don't stagger at this. And he says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That sounds nearly too good to be true. That sounds impossible. But this is exactly what Jesus said. Whosoever means whosoever. This is the power of faith-filled words. He's telling his disciples how he was able to curse this fig tree and in less than 24 hours, there was a visible effect of that fig tree being dead. And he's telling you how he did it. Here's how he did it with words. Words are the greatest force in the universe. They're stronger than atomic bombs. Words are powerful if you believe them. It has to be mixed with faith in those that believe. And this is the problem is that most of us haven't been believing in the power of our words, and so we haven't been getting the things that we say. Man, you need to turn this around, and you need to start understanding the power of words. And I'm just now to where I wanted to start, and i got to quit. And so hopefully I'll be able to finish this tomorrow. But I tell you, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. 
I just pray that the Holy Spirit's given you a revelation. This would change your life if you believed it. If you believe this, it would literally transform your entire existence. But you've got to believe it. You've got to get to where you believe that there's more than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. You've got to believe that there's a spiritual world. And when you say something, even though you don't see a physical change, that all kinds of things are happening in the spiritual realm. Demons are fleeing. God is moving. Your answer is in the pipeline. It's moving and you have to get to where you are more moved by what the Bible says is happening than what your senses tell you is happening or isn't happening. That is really powerful. And if you can understand that and apply it, it will just revolutionize your walk with the Lord. It, this is really simple. What I've said is really simple. But it takes faith. Because you can't just perceive it in your five senses. You've got to believe what the Scripture is saying. Here is a great example. Jesus spoke. It happened immediately, Matthew 21, but it took 24 hours for what happened immediately to become visible. Some of you have prayed and believed God for something. And you're struggling right now with you don't feel what you believed for. And so you're struggling and some of you thinking, I'm not leaving without what I came for. The truth is you got it. God gave it to you. It's in spiritual form. Now just believe it and get to where you believe that the things that you've said have come to pass and it shall happen. It might happen one day from now or one week from now or one year from now depending on a lot of different things. But if you don't doubt in your heart, you will have what you say. And you've got to get to where you walk by faith and not by sight. Isn't that simple? It's simple, but the hardest thing you'll ever do is get to where you believe that the spiritual world is just as real, actually more real than this physical world. This spiritual world existed before there was a physical world. Even after the physical world is dissolved, the spiritual world will still exist. The spiritual world is more real than the physical things that you see. And we've got to get to where we start perceiving that. And you only do this by faith. Amen. That's powerful. Father, we just receive this truth. We ask your Holy Spirit to help us to understand these spiritual truths. I have spoken your word. I have opened up a door to be able to see into the spiritual realm and perceive things by faith. And I pray that the Holy Spirit helps people to understand and to keep this door open and for us to begin to start walking in this spiritual realm, walking by faith and not by sight. And Father, I thank you for that. And I believe that we receive in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.